I was over Barnes & Noble the other day at the Lehigh Valley Mall. I like to go to the mall. I don't mind the crowds. I've been there a few times, actually, in the last few weeks, just because I like to go. So I like to see the people running around. I like to see them holding bags, buying stuff. It helps everything. And I don't know. I know someday malls may fade out, but right now they're still in, and I like to go there and get my steps and all. And so I'm waddling around the mall and finally end up in Barnes & Noble. And while standing there, I was in the religious department. And while at the religious department, I'm looking, and there's a young man standing beside me, and he starts telling me about what Bible he has. And then... He starts talking about what he's looking for. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He didn't know I was a minister and stood up before hundreds of people every Sunday. I didn't tell him that. I didn't need to. We were fellow journeyers on our way of life. And he told me, he said, you know, if you could have seen me three years ago and could see how I've been transformed, you would know the great power God has. And I said to him, sir, I just thank God for that. It's amazing how his hunger and thirst for the Bible was something that was propelling him to a new level. It's absolutely beautiful how this works. Steve Lawson says this, In every generation, those who have most treasured God's Word have been most mightily used by God. I was at a high-end restaurant one day in Kansas City near the airport. We were together, Pam and, and uh, some other people, sitting at our table. The place was not real populated at the time. There were some gentlemen talking business over at another table not far. We could hear their talk because the noise in the place had not yet grown so loud you couldn't hear. And I heard them talking about a businessman that they were friends with and said, you know, he reads a sermon on the mount, the words of Jesus, like really often, and he reads the Beatitudes every day. It helps him, he says, in his business and in his interaction with people. I found that quite interesting. Mahatma Gandhi said this about the Christians. He said, you Christians have in your keeping a document to turn society upside down to bring peace to a war-torn world, but you read it as if it's just good literature and nothing else. Dr. Wayne Lyons and Dr. Joanne Lyon pastored at the church where we were prior to moving here. You know a lot about her. She was general superintendent, started World Hope International, but Wayne is a pastor. And while he pastored, he influenced a lot of people, and he was great at discipling people, you know, just one-on-oneing with people. And in his efforts to one-on-one, some of them would come to me, and they would talk to me about how they were discipled and how they rose to a new level. And some of them didn't like to read. Maybe you don't like to read, and they didn't have much time to read, they would say. They were very busy people, and I knew them, and they were wonderful people. But they said... He taught us to get the book of Proverbs as a for instance and every day just read 10 verses and the next day read the next 10 and the next day read 10 more. And so we do this every month and we've been doing it for several months to give ourselves strength. Robert Morgan, minister, says this, the Bible hums with the energy of divine omnipotence. Every page is powerful. The God of scriptures never grows weak or weary. No amount of exertion can diminish his energy or resolve. Dr. Elmer Towns, teacher at Lynchburg, he said this. He had gone over to Korea and he was with Reverend Cho. Reverend Cho has the largest church in the world and way over 100,000 people. And he said at that, at that church, he talked to Reverend Cho and he said, 
Reverend Cho said this to him. He said, every day I pray the rounds. Elmer said, what are the rounds? He said, I take the Lord's Prayer. And if you watch that, it starts with our Father. So I think about him and I pray about him and magnify him for a little bit. Who art in heaven, I think about heaven for a little bit. Hallowed be your name. He said, I think about the holiness, the reverence of God. And he said, I pray through that. I pray that. I call that the rounds every day. He says, I pray through that. One of my professors and early mentors was Dr. Marvin Powers. He used to say, the word of God stands tall and it finds us out. I have found this to be true for it is God's word that has changed my life, changed my trajectory and has allowed me to have in my heart the gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit come alive until he has energized me to the point that I can no longer remain hostage to the group I was a part of early in my life. And I said to God, I want to be part of a group that allows me to freely reach into the lives of other people and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to preach Christ alone for salvation, and I don't want anything to be a window dressing obstacle to him. And he changed me through reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was a spiritual reformation of my own that I had back whenever Pam and I had just gotten married and she went through her own revolution and God changed us and transformed us. And though I had been a daily Bible reader for years, I became a new person in the scriptures, transformed. It was absolutely powerful to see God's work come alive in my life. While pastoring in Bethlehem, it was amazing when a young man came to me and he said, he said to me, Kevin, he said, I came to Jesus Christ. I want to come to this church. I said, why don't you come? He started attending and it was so beautiful. I said, how did you come to Christ? He said, I came to Christ simply by reading the Bible. I didn't know God. I didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about it. But I started reading the Bible. And guess what? I found Christ. And here I am today. And he started leading Bible studies. And he had about 60 or 70 of his friends because they didn't know Jesus either. They started going to his Bible study. It's absolutely powerful how the Bible can transform our lives. You have electronic Bible right there in your phone. Did you know that? When you go online on your phone, you can type in something as simple as BibleGateway.com, BibleGateway.com, and you can have access to every translation around. I study from it every week. Every week, my messages, I prepare from that, and I'll go in and look at the different translations, the different ways they transliterate scripture passages to see that I get the right thing. So though we preached from part of this passage the other day, I want to look at the front part of it and just glance at the last part, which we looked at three Sundays back or so. I want to notice how God's word can transform our lives. Notice, first of all, that the scripture in verse 12, it discovers us. It discovers us. If you look, liken this to an operation, this would be when you go in for an x-ray or an MRI. You go in for some sort of a scan to figure out exactly what's going on. It's as if God's word does an exploratory cutting of our life to open us up to see what's going on within our life. Now, that can be intimidating on the one hand, but if you follow along throughout the passage, you see this is a fascinating passage that can absolutely encourage us and comfort us, and we realize that God is here to help us. It says to us that God's Word is alive. In the Gospel of John, it starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus is always. It also talks not just about the Logos, God. It talks about being the Word. It also talks about Rhema. Rhema is living word, R-A-M-A. Rhema word is a living word of God. When we read the Bible, it is alive. It works in our life. Psalm 119, verse 99, it says, Your word gives me more insight than all my teachers. If you watch that movie, God's Not Dead, a couple years back, you found in that movie a real narrative that is 
pretty present day, isn't it? The professor was blasting away about how God isn't real and God's dead. Bible was junk and blah, 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 and going on about that. And debunking all of that. It's less than. It's beneath us. That attitude. Fortunately, all the students didn't buy into what was being said. One happened to be a student up in the scriptures that he knew how to refute what was being said, and so he did. He spoke up in the class. And the professor finally had the conversation with him, and he discovers what's wrong with the professor. The professor had a bad experience in his faith journey earlier when he had an expectation God would do this, and God did this. Have you ever had that? You thought God was going to heal somebody and they didn't? You thought God was going to come through and he didn't the way you thought he should? And then you say, well, if God's that, I'm through with God. No, 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 no. Your kingdom come, we pray in that pattern prayer, your will be done. Doesn't mean my will be done. Your will be done. So we pray this, that his will would be done above ours. His word is living. Notice what it says. It is sharper. It cuts. It dissects. It is like a sword. That means it's like a knife. This is powerful. It penetrates us. That means it can go through anything. And it gives illustrations here. It means the word of God stops at nothing. It doesn't stop at anything. It's able to go through and figure out exactly what's going on in our life. So he has x-rayed us. He has given us a cut open exploratory surgery, if you will. And he is looking at us. And he says, I can decide about your thoughts. Well, x-rays can't read our thoughts, fortunately. But the Word of God can. Our attitudes, x-rays can't really dissect that, can they? But His Word. So the Apostle Paul would write this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. Paul says, I wouldn't have known about sin unless I had known your Word, God. So His Word isn't just some kind of negative bully pointing out how bad we are. It is a positive energizing us to understand how God wants to lead us and how God wants to use us and how he wants to allow his spirit to be alive in us. He wants to fill us with knowledge. He wants to connect the idea of of science and faith. He wants to connect the idea of philosophy and faith. He wants to connect the idea of recreation and faith. He says, no, I want to be at the center and I will allow you then to have a proper balance as though you are the center axle going out with all these spokes into the reality of your everyday life. This is how the Word of God wants to live in our life. Friend, you and I cannot improve on the Word of God. David says it this way in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet. That's my right now moment, my right now decision, the next step I'm about to take. And it is a light to my path, as though it is shining out like a headlight or a spotlight into the future to illuminate what's going to happen in the future. So what he's saying is, God, I can trust you now, and I can trust you when I get way over there. In other words, God, I can trust you when I'm a little kid, when I'm a teen, and I can trust you when I become an old person over here about ready to breathe my last. I can trust you, God, in the good times, in the bad times. God, I trust you. And then notice something else. You must listen faster. In verse 13, he's got us, he's got us opened up, and he's looking into our life, and it says in verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing in our life is hidden from God. Our true self is transparent before God. That can be intimidating, but it's terribly rewarding because he wants to help get rid of, in this process, things that are toxic to our well-being. Bad attitudes, bad thoughts, bad relationship issues we have. He deals with our idiosyncrasies and all those things and help make us able to get along in society, in our marriage, 
with our children, with our parents, with our siblings. He is the one who helps you get along when you go to Thanksgiving dinner with relatives you don't even talk to all year long. <clears throat> Can I get a witness in the house somewhere? <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. Don't lie. God's word may initially appear very hurtful, but it's really the intent is to make us more like Jesus. Scuba diver was being interviewed one day about, about the techniques of diving and how you are able to go down into the waters and you're able to come back up. And they were asking, when you get down into the dark, deep waters, how do you know which end is up? And I thought the answer was quite interesting. said, I always reach for the bubbles. <laughs> I always reach for the bubbles. Now, I'm not a swimmer, so you who are probably knew that already. But I always reach for the bubbles because the bubbles always go up. And so whichever direction the bubbles are going, that's the direction I need to go to go back up to the surface. This, ladies and gentlemen, always gives us the bubbles. It's a bubble Bible. It always gives us what we need to lead us back to the surface of what God is teaching us, saying to us, how he wants us to move forward in the decisions we're about. And then the scripture is going to have to put us back together. Hey, look, it'd be pretty bad if God just cuts us open and says, well, look at that. You, you got a problem here, but I'm not going to help you. I don't know what to do about it. You know, you just stink. I'm going to go to somebody else better than you. He doesn't do that. He loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves all of you. Every one of us. Isn't that wild? You may not even love you, but he does. And you may not love the person sitting around you. You don't even know they are, but he, he loves them, and he knows them. And he still loves them. Only God could be that loving. That's why it said, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And so this is where we get into the passage we read just a couple weeks back, where it's talking about Jesus, our high priest. He's in heaven. He's not in the temple. We worship him now in spirit and in truth. We will one day be with him. The next chapter says he wasn't appointed by others to be the priest like Aaron or all the other priests or even like me as a pastor, but he is a whole dimension that we don't even quite comprehend. God has said in verse 5, you're my son. I have chosen you. He is the sinless son of God, the scripture would say. In verse 15, he has lived a perfect sinless life, but we've got to be put back together. So the scripture says, he identifies with us, and he understands our weaknesses, our infirmities. And I said to you the other day, infirmities in the Old Testament largely was talking about sin. It can refer to disease, but we also understand that it is talking about the idea of, in the Newer Testament, of weakness. So you may have a propensity toward addiction, an addictive nature. He understands your addictive nature. Some of you are battling to break free from pornography, let's say, and you're just really bound up in that. And we talked about the songs all ago about how he's great, he do, does miracles. It's a miracle to break free from that because of the chemical reaction of our body toward that kind of stuff, as for instance, other things that can be addictive, food, things like this. And so we have to break free from some of those things and move toward God in a proper relationship to him. Critical spirits, addictive, it's, it's just part of our nature for not care. And so he begins to correct us and he wants to put us back together. He comes along and he empathizes with us. I read some years ago about a guy who was going to have a bypass surgery and he was nervous. I probably would be very nervous if I was going to have a bypass surgery. I, I'm human. 
and I'd probably be plumb scared if I was getting ready to have bypass surgery, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't really know if you're going to wake up. So you do all your praying before. If you had any prayer, you say anything to anybody you need to say, right? And you make sure your house is in order, and you go in, and now you become a member of the zipper club. They go, and they get you opened up, and they put... But he was getting ready to do that. There was a nurse sitting by him who said, my name is so-and-so. I am sitting with you now. I will be sitting with you when you wake up. That's comfort. That's comfort. I will be here with you. And that's what he says. I need you to adjust in this area. It's not going to feel good. I'm maybe going to jump up and down, but I need you to adjust in this area. It may be hard. People will misunderstand. Your spouse, your friends, your kids, your parents, whatever. They may misunderstand, but I need you to adjust in this area. He never teaches us to do something outside of his word, outside of his will. But he teaches us to do that. And then what he does, he begins to put us back together. Kim Snyder of our congregation just passed her, her testing and all of her preparation so when the doctor is doing a surgery and has to put you back together, the doctor will finish, and she comes along and starts stitching you up. That's her and her duds right there. Put you back together. And that's what the Word of God does, and that's what the Word of God does to me regularly, and that's what He did radically back in the early days of my walk with Him as I was entering into ministry. He did a major major operation on my soul. This is absolutely amazing. Now, we're all sitting here today and we realize that God's Word is real. You probably have a Bible or 10 at home, maybe different translations of the Scripture, and it's exciting and you see a new Bible and you want to grab it, but you're not sure if you read the old ones really that much, so maybe a new one will inspire you. I want to ask us as a congregation across the BWC campuses to do something and that would be this. I'm going to invite you to join uh, with a very simple project. For some of you, this will be like yawn. This isn't anything. For some of you, this will be the very first time. Very first time. Think of that. This will be the very first time you've ever done what I'm getting ready to ask you to do. Everybody say first time. First time. Well, we'll never forget our first time of doing this, right? In your Bible, when you come to the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. When you come to the New Testament, you start out with Matthew, and then there's Mark, and then there is Luke, and John's after. All right, so you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are called the four Gospels. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Luke. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Luke. And on day one, read chapter one. Just read it. Set aside a minute, three minutes, five if you're a slow reader, ten minutes, whatever you need. You can blaze through it. You can just, maybe you play it on your way to work. You let the scriptures read to you through, through a system or something. <clears throat> but you go ahead and do that. But read chapter one. Day two, read chapter two. We're going to start out with the birth of Christ. We're going to end seeing his death and his resurrection and everything. Now, we're going to have an Advent devotional given to us. That will serve a different purpose. But this, starting on December the 1st, first day of December, we'll read deep into December. When we come to Christmas, we're going to understand what Christmas is all about. Jesus. He's the centerpiece of it all. I'm going to invite our band to come back, lead us in a closing song. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We join with David and say, it truly is a lamp to our feet and an incredible light to our path. We can't even begin to comprehend the 
beauty of it. Lord, it is so meaningful to us. Thank you that in our society we freely have it and that we can read it and that we can be made better by it. So if you want to encourage us with your scriptures as a promise that we grab this week, please let us not miss it. And Lord, if you want us to be made better in some area and you're going to perform an operation and show us some way we've been thinking wrong or attitude's been wrong or maybe something, Lord, I pray that you just help us to see it because when you teach us, we receive it because you know who we are. You love us. You empathize with us as an individual. So thank you for empathizing with us as individuals and also as a collective body. Please lead us at BWC, Lord, in the way you want us to go in Christ's name.